Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's me, Daniel Kay, the host of the world's first audio-only video game Let's Play podcast, the Daniel Kay's Let's Plays podcast, the podcast in which I, your host, Daniel Kay, play various video games, lots of them, all kinds of video games, just... Tons of video games. Just a great big swath of video games. Text adventures, Game Boy games, uh, old NES and Super Nintendo games sometimes. Um, yeah, just like go go through, take your pick, listen to whatever you want. You know, it's like, oh, I've heard this Daniel guy does a podcast, which is really cool. Everyone's talking about the Daniel K's Let's Plays podcast. Better subscribe to him on my phone, and then you do that, and you look... Oh, Jesus, this is just a massive jumble of episodes, one after another. There's no cohesive series. It's just a great big jumble. I just, like, I need to read the title, and, like, I guess at the end of each each thing, there's, like, a number telling me which number of episode in the series it is. Where do I even start? Do I start at episode one? Let's go back down to episode one. Oh, this sounds like garbage. This is like he's put a microphone up to a flaming pile of of trash, and I'm listening to it squelch and sort of squeal in the fire. Oh, God. And, uh, yeah, that's the Daniel King's Let's Plays experience. My recommendation is click around. If you see a, a series which catches your eye, you're like, oh, I wonder what's up with this Moomin's. Uh, Game Boy game series, then just try and find episode one. Start with episode one of whatever game catches your eye. Um, don't start with this one, or whatever you do. If you, this is your first episode, oh jeez, oh jeez, it's probably probably doesn't make any real difference because this is going to be episode four of the Axolotl Project. Episode four of the Axolotl Project. Wow, that's a game that I haven't played in months and months. Not, like, ages. It's been ages since I played this game. Oh, my God. I... So, yeah, my memory of where we're up to is going to be kind of weird. Uh, Listeners, if you've been following along uh, this series, then, I mean, your memory of what's going on is also going to be weird because, like I say, it's been months since Episode 3. So, I guess go back and listen to Episode 3 and you'll have gotten most of the catch-up done, you know? Because I probably give like a, a little intro in that episode to to say uh, what's happened so far, uh, and then at the end of it you can listen to Evan Evan Tolley read uh, first the first chapter, second chapter, third chapter, second chapter of the one of the, the first Moomin books. Um, Comet in Moomin, Comet in Moominland or whatever. Uh, yeah, so go listen to episode three of um, the Axolotl Project to catch yourself up. Interesting fact. For no reason at all that I can tell, episode three of the Axolotl Project series is by far the most listened to episode of my podcast ever. It's got like it's got like four or five times as many listens as average. It's gotten more like the the the, the runner up is my first episode, Daniel K's Let's Plays episode one. And that's got like you know pretty decent number of listens for my podcast and then episode three of the axolotl project not only does it have like five times the average it's got three or four times as many listens as the two episodes in the series before it and i just don't understand why um the closest thing i have to a theory is uh there's a, i play a song by a houston texas bass rapper who is, I think is pretty big on SoundCloud. And I use SoundCloud to host my episodes. So if people search for her, maybe weirdly the algorithm will send them to this episode of my podcast. But it, I haven't tagged her in the in the tags or anything. I think I just mentioned her name in the episode description. Um. Says Megan the Stallion. So I guess I better stick some of her, some of her music in this episode too, and mention it in the comments in in the description, so that I get uh, five times as many listens for this episode as well. Then I give it to them nasty, looking for a savage, a big dick man, and write my name on it, would it like my first name, Andy? Okay. 
Yeah, the other thing. The other thing that's different about episode three of this series was that the thumbnail had a real cool-looking Evan Tolley on the front <laughs> with like sunglasses. So I'm probably going to find another photo of Evan Tolley and stick it, even though he's not appearing in this episode. Maybe that's the secret to just getting listens. Is I need Evan Tolley to be my mascot, my thumbnail mascot. So yeah, the thumbnail will be a picture of Evan Tolley somehow. Uh, yeah, probably with sunglasses on like he had before, doing something cool on the moon or something. Yeah. Anyway, so that's enough of me discussing the weirdness. Let's let's get into the episode. Um, I'm in the foyer. Uh, I think the foyer is like... It leads off to the nice areas of this moon base where I'm not really supposed to be poking around. It leads to, like, the executive's offices. Uh, in the last episode, I talked to... Um, What's her name? It's Sandy or, um, I don't know. Crystal, it's Crystal. It's Crystal, yeah. She's the Texan woman who's, like, in charge of part of uh, the running of the base or something like that. Some big administrative big potato. Um, And I also talked to... What's his name? Gallo. That dickhead Gallo, who is is a huge narcissist asshole. I talked to Gallo. um, And, yeah. uh, Crystal gave me a note, which said, uh, uh, Hey, uh, Gallo, this is a a girl who needs to get into one of the rooms, because... Uh, just for her own private reasons, can you open the door? And Gallo's not like he's like, nope, fuck that. I'm a busy man. Good goodbye. I need to go eat my fancy steak. And then he leaves, but he um he kicks us out. He shuts the door. The door doesn't quite shut, so we sneak back into his lab and just uh, well, we we poke around and we find the note which we gave him in the trash, and then we turn it over on the back. There's a secret message to us, which is frankly a pretty dumb thing for Crystal to have done, unless she's like kind of she doesn't care if Gallo sees it because that's a note that we handed Gallo and that we were supposed to hand Gallo and she writes a note to us on the back of the note that we're supposed to hand Gallo he could have turned it over and it was like what she's fucking done it anyway I can't believe it oh I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't know I'm gonna go whine at her but yeah maybe Crystal doesn't care maybe she's like yeah <laughs> yeah I did it anyway I don't care if you know or not to Gallo she seemed like a pretty cool person, to be honest. Um, yeah, and so now we've got uh, the information. We now have the information that the door is unlocked anyway. So now we, we've got to go back to our kind of uh, lab corridor and see if we can get into the room. And in the last episode as well, it was revealed that not only do we uh, ostensibly believe that there is one of the alien axolotls in that room, we also think maybe... Our old uh, mentor and boss, who uh, left the base like months ago, maybe there's a conspiracy and he's actually locked in the base, still kept a a prisoner by this weird medical company who's uh, running the research into these axolotls. He's being kept a prisoner in this this locked room, so we're going to go see if that weird suspicion that we have is true. Uh, here we are in the foyer, ready to start the gameplay, listeners. This is, uh, by the way, this is a Twine game. It's like a text adventure where um, it's basically all hyperlinks in the text. So to navigate the world, I click on the hyperlinks to be taken to a different uh, page of text. Uh, you find yourself in the research wing's foyer. A sweeping reception desk takes up most of the right-hand wall. A dusty vid screen hangs over it. Next to it stands a row of plush red chairs and a magazine rack. To the left, a set of, a set of double doors leads to the tunnel to the newer part of the base. Straight ahead, a set of magna lifts leads up to the research team's living quarters. If you go west, you'll find yourself in the laboratory hallway. So that's where we're heading, the laboratory hallway. Um, we want to go also up the magna lifts, but it's being sterilized. So our, our, our living quarters are being sterilized. I don't know, they're pumping chlorine through the through the rooms or something. Uh, just a periodical thing to stop bacteria growing in the in the research lab or something like that. I don't know what. Now let's click the magna lifts up and see what happens. 
You push the button for the Magna lift, but it fails to line up. From a one-way speaker next to the lift, a voice blares. Employees are prohibited from entering the habitation area until sanitization processes are complete. And then you think to yourself, well, that's new. Looks like you won't be able to go upstairs until they're finished cleaning. You hope they don't go through all your stuff. That's right. Find my find my box of, of private stuff. I remember that. Uh, all right, so let's go back into the foyer. Let's go back into the laboratory highway. Highway? Hallway. Beg your pardon. The laboratory highway. <laughs> oh, the, the hallway turns a corner here and empties out into a large foyer, which is where we've just come from, to the east. To the west is the supply closet, where we got a... In our inventory, I just had a look, and I, we've got a roll of tape, which we got from some supply closet, I think. Straight ahead is the laboratory's bathroom, and at the south end of the long hallway are the laboratories. Hit that south end. Lab hallway number two. The hallway stretches away to the north and the south. To the east is the laboratory Adams used to use. Adams is our old boss and mentor, who's like a kind of aloof guy, but then we're finding his notes everywhere, and we have our cell phone, and we're getting weird uh, cryptic text messages from him, all in haikus. Um, And all his notes are saying, like, oh, I don't like this girl. What's her name? Cassie? What's her name? Let's read through the note again. Um, No inventory. Entry note two. Casey. Here we are. That's me. Uh, Casey something. Yeah, but he's like, oh, I don't like this Casey character. And then as the notes, the journal entries go on, he's like, oh, actually, I think I think maybe Casey's pretty cool. She's really interested in the project, more so than anybody else, including the weird, grieving, uh, drunk guy who used to be useful but now just mopes around his room because his whole family exploded or something like that. Yeah, so it's it's been fun reading uh, Adam's journal entries and getting messages from his phone. Seems like a cool guy. It's nice to be respected by a scientist. Hope he's hope he's all right. Let's go uh, back. Lab hallway three. The hallway turns a corner here and empties out into a large foyer where we came from. To the west is the oh wait south end. I don't know why did it go. Okay, lab hallway two. The hallway stretches away to the north and the south. To the east is the laboratory Adams used to use. There is a huge electronic lock in the door. If you listen carefully, you can hear a faint scrabbling noise coming from the other side. Could it be your escape subject? This is where it's supposed to be. I don't know why it took me back one screen. I didn't I didn't click to do that. So, let's hit that laboratory button. Click. When you try the door this time, it opens smoothly. True to her word, Crystal has unlocked it for you. I bet if I had, if I had gotten the note from Crystal and not handed it to Gallo, and just walked back here, the door would be locked. Illogically locked. You know? that w- That's a... Maybe this is a smart enough game where that if I, I, I... I'm almost tempted to try this now. To load an earlier save, uh, get the note from Crystal, and just walk back here, uh, metagaming the knowledge that the door should be open, but my character doesn't know it should be open. I wonder if it would open anyway, and we'd be Casey would be surprised, like, oh, shit, it's, it's open now for some reason. It'd be cool if it was like that. I don't know. Anyway, here we are. Adam's lab. Adam's lab. The unaccustomed darkness makes you grope for the light switch. Uh, once the fluorescent lights flicker on, it reveals a room coated in dust. It looks like no one has been in here in months. Not even the domestic robots. Three specimen tanks are pushed up against the counter, empty. The desk is also completely empty of everything except an ever-present computer terminal. There is a large white chest freezer, which I can interact with, against the back wall. On the floor in front of it, your elusive salamander is on its hind legs, patiently trying to climb its way to the top of the freezer. Oh, so I can interact with the computer terminal, with the chest freezer, with the salamander, or I can take the only door which leads back to the hallway. So, um, we could play with the computer a bit more, but I, I don't know, playing with a computer, having like a terminal of options to click through hasn't been very much fun for me. I'd Like, I don't, I don't want to talk to the computer. I don't want to have to deal with 
navigating a computer system with basic like office administration bullshit in, in a fun video game. So I've been avoiding it. There's probably all kinds of stuff I need to do with the computer which I'm just missing out on because I can't be bothered. So let's check out the chest freezer before we go and grab the salamander. A large white chest freezer. You can't get to the freezer without stepping on the salamander. You might as well scoop the little guy up. He is the reason you came in here after all. And <laughs> my options are okay fine or go back. Let's go, okay, fine, because that was the only other option. You finally found this stupid salamander. As you scoop him off the floor, he gives you a knowing look. His skin feels cool and clammy and pulses with slow blue light. You put the little guy in your pocket. Oh, it's smaller than I think it is. If it fits in a pocket, I was picturing like... I was picturing one of those, like, Chinese cave salamanders. The massive ones, like huge, great, big, the size of a, a dog, basically. But no, if it's just fitting in my pocket... And it's just a cute little salamander. Okay. Uh, it pulses with a slow blue blue light. So you put the little guy in your pocket where he seems perfectly happy to stay. Salamander added to inventory. Inventory. Say that normally, please, Dan. Inventory. Inventory. Salamander added to your inventory. I'm looking in my inventory. In the laboratory. 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 Inventory. Back. Alright, let's check that chest freezer. You lift the lid of the freezer. Inside, lumpy parcels are packaged in white plastic sheets and carefully labelled. The ones at the top are very small. The one closest to you is label, has a label that reads, Rat, female, age 4 months. Expires 6-22-2047. Cause of death, accelerated neurotoxicity. With the sinking feeling, you carefully remove the small corpse... No... With a sinking feeling, you carefully remove the smaller corpses from the top to look at the ones underneath. The ones below are much larger. You see one labelled chimpanzee, male, age 36 months, expired 7th, 7th of the 14th. No, ah shit, fucking American dates. Why didn't I pick up on that when the last date was 6th of the 22nd, 2047? I must have sounded so dumb. Okay, so the rat died on the 22nd of the 6th, the 22nd of June, 2047. Uh, the chimpanzee, the 36-month-old chimpanzee, died on the 14th of June, of July, 2047. Cause of death, accelerated neurotoxicity. Okay. So what, they're, they're doing... What are they testing on the um, chimpanzees and rats? I guess the the cool new drug, which makes you, I don't know... Maybe the maybe when they okay. So if you remember, in the drunk depressed dep depressed guy's lab where he was sleeping, uh, he had like chimpanzees and rats, and what else lizards or something in tanks, and they were like, the rats were doing something really smart. They were running around in patterns. Chimpanzees were playing chess and they waved at us. Maybe they get smart, but they also die. So maybe like the smart drugs are lethal, eventually. Let's go next. Moving automatically, you have you heave the dead chimps out of, onto the floor. Fucking hell. Why am I doing this? The freezer is now empty, but you notice that the bottom is slightly different colour than the walls. Leaning over, you pry at the corners with your fingernails. Sure enough, the bottom is a false one. Shivering, you grab the panel and manage to lift it up and out of the freezer. The panel exposes one more plastic bundle underneath. This one is an actual body bag. With Saddler's Corporation seals embossed on it. There is a label that reads human, male, aged 42 years, self-terminated, 15th of July, 79. Awaiting transport to Earth and autopsy. Is that a typo? The year 79. The, the year that the chimpanzee died was 2047. This one says 07 slash 15 slash 79. So did they really die in like 1979 or is that a typo on behalf of Samantha Vick who made this cool game? Awaiting transport to Earth and autopsy. I wonder if this is Adams. Let's go next. Let's pop open this bag, huh? Taking a deep breath, you reach in and slowly unzip the bag. Yeah, she does. Man, Casey is fucking fearless. The plastic parts to reveal a white lab coat with an ID badge bearing a familiar name. Henry Adams. Henry Adams' throat is purple with a vivid rope burn. His blank eyes stare directly into yours. End of Act 1. Begin Act 2. Wow! 
His dead and his corpse is being kept here. Someone obviously stuck him in there. I was thinking when it said like human male, age forty two years, self terminated. I was wondering if that was his like I don't know, like black sense of humour going like, Alright, I'm gonna put myself in a body bag, lie in the freezer, I'm gonna put a label on myself saying self terminated and then the date, and then I'm just gonna freeze to death. That'll be my method of suicide. But no, he yeah, he, he did it another way, and then someone put him in the freezer. Well, uh, okay, let's start Act 2, shall we? Begin Act 2. Click. Am I still going to be Casey? Oh, yep, I'm, I'm still Casey. You're frozen, unable to wrench your gaze away from Adam's empty face. You feel like he's looking directly into your soul. Your knees buckle and you slide into a kneeling position with your forehead pressed against the side of the freezer, hyperventilating. You bury your face in your hands. Okay, okay. You've just found your friend in the bottom of a freezer. What is your next step? Well, my next step is to click the next button. Like a magnet, your gaze is dragged to the accusing lens of the room's security camera. Ah, shit. It's only a matter of time before someone discovers you. Quick as lightning, you heave the false bottom back in place and start hurling the frozen animals back in on top. That's kind of funny. When you close the lid, it looks like it had never been opened. You hope that you managed it in time. So I guess that security guard who was watching the cameras uh, in the other foyer, hopefully he didn't see us. Maybe we should go see what he's doing next. Next. Your cell phone starts to vibrate. New message from Henry Adams. Oh, that's fucked. At dawn, the wise owl flies back to his humble tree, for there he finds truth. Uh, and so to continue, I click a button, and the button is marked, What the hell? The hypertext, the orange hypertext says, What the hell? click it. You close the phone, your fingers shaking. You don't know what's happening around here, but you long for the days when getting messages from dead men was something that only happened in horror movies. There's only one thing to know for sure. Whether or not Adams really took his own life, you're sure as hell not taking Saddler Drugs' word for it. It sounds like he wanted you to get into his apartment somehow. You trusted Adams. You can't see any reason not to trust his ghost. Besides, you've got no other leads, and you'd really rather avoid the executive wing at the moment. Okay, so to continue, I click for the hypertext, which says, I can do this. Click, I can do this. We're being uh, steadfast, proactive. Adam's lab. This room is coated in dust. Three specimen tanks are pushed up against the counter. and uh, A computer sits blankly on the unused desk. You try and avoid looking at the large chest freezer, where your friend Henry Adams lies frozen like a popsicle with a rope burn around his neck. You intend to get to the bottom of his inverted commas, suicide, as soon as possible. His apartment upstairs is a good place to start. The only door leads back to the hallway. Ah, oh, let's go. I guess it gives us the option to try clicking on the chest freezer or on the computer. I don't want to bother with the computer. I can't be bothered. The only door back leads to the hallway. Click. The hallway stretches north or south. Let's go north. Uh, hallway turns a corner, empties into a foyer. Let's hit that foyer. You find yourself in the research wing's foyer. Sweeping reception desk, blah, 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 magna lifts. As soon as you step foot in the foyer, a familiar chime sounds over the intercom. A soothing, pre-recorded voice says, Attention, please. Attention, please. Sanitation processes are now complete. Employees are now permitted to access the habitation quarters. Have a pleasant rest cycle. Thank you. The panel next to the magnet lift lights up. It looks like you can finally access your apartment level. Let's go up the magnet lift. Click. Above and below, giant electromagnets strain at the elevator capsules, but for now the lifts hover silently, waiting to ferry you up into your apartment. Take the lift up. Yes or no? Yes. Habitation level. The habitation level landing is decorated exactly like the foyer below it. There is a potted plant in one corner, which I can interact with. A corridor leads east towards the staff dormitory, so I can click on that too. And the magnet lifts, ready to take you back down. I can click on. Let's check the potted plant. Ooh, click. The shrub has leaves like wide stripes of dark green leather and smells like something dead. You're sure it must be real because no one could possibly set out to make a plant this ugly on purpose. That's all. We go back. So I guess we head to the staff dormitories. Click. Habitation hallway west. You find yourself standing in a narrow corridor. Cor corridor. Cor corridor. <laughs> a corridor. To, 
a corridor with a metal door on either side. You find yourself standing in a narrow corridor with a metal door on either side. The south door leads to the floor's shared bathroom. Your apartment lies to the north. The hallway stretches a bit further east, and the elevator lo lobby is to the west. So we can go to the bathroom, we can go to your apartment, or we can keep on going along the hallway further east. Probably that's how we get to Adams's place. Hey, let's use the bathroom again. There's a sign on the door which reads, Temporarily out of order. Thank you for your patience. Your robotic maintenance crew. Well, great. Where are you supposed to shower now? Let's go back. Maybe... Let's check out our apartment. I, I've been wanting to get back to my apartment, Casey's apartment, for a while, because I like the idea of an apartment on a moon base. Yeah. For the longest time, my desktop background was a picture of, like, an apartment on a moon base. Maybe that'll be in the thumbnail somehow. Uh, Campbell, someone Campbell. This this great this great uh, NASA NASA affiliated artist. Someone Campbell. No, not Campbell. I've forgotten his name, but he painted he paints all kinds of beautiful space and spacecraft for, uh, paintings. Uh, one of the things he painted was the inside of like a hypothetical bohemian moon apartment, luxurious moon apartment. And I, I, I love it. I like the idea of, I don't know, uh, extraterrestrial planetary housing. You know? Anyway. Okay, here we are in our apartment. Your apartment. You think to yourself, not for the first time, that apartment is too grand a word for this Spartan cube. Oh, shit. Okay. Your quarters consist of one small square room, sparsely furnished. The walls are grey concrete. To your left is a small kitchen area with a mini-fridge, a metal sink and a cabinet for food and dishes. To your right is a narrow bed with a blue cotton blanket. A skinny desk with one chair is tucked into one corner with a standard-issue computer terminal on it. The chair can also swivel to face a small vid screen mounted on the back wall. A square window on the right-hand wall sheds condescending starlight into the room. Wow, I read that really wrong. A square window on the right-hand wall sheds second-hand starlight into the room. How did I get condescending? Must be a bit tired. Yeah, I need a drink. Hang on, listeners. Ah, yum. Alright. So we've got a small kitchen area with a mini-fridge. That's pretty cool. We've got a metal sink, which we can also interact with. Um, we've got a narrow bed with a blue cotton blanket. We can interact with the bed. We've got a skinny desk with one chair. We, we can interact with the desk. Um, we could play on the computer, which I don't want to do. We can also swivel uh, in our chair to face a vid screen, which we can interact with. Uh, and then there's a square window, which sheds secondhand starlight into the room. Secondhand starlight. Let's check out the window. Click square window. Compared to the rest of the room, the window is pretty big. Instead of placing it on the wall that opens up to the inf infinite starry sky, however, the designer opted to place it so that it looks directly into the window of the neighbouring apartment. With such a crappy design choice, you're surprised the room has a window at all. <laughs> the dome over this section of the station means you can open the window without dying. Samantha Vick, this is good. This is good writing. You know that already because this is one of the most popular Twine games of all time, I think. But this is good writing. Uh, yeah, the dome over this section of the station means you can open the window without dying. The space between the two windows is so narrow that you can almost reach out and touch the other wall. The other window is closed and shuttered, but there is a tiny gap between the window and the frame. Let's check out that other window. Click. You slide open your window and you poke your head out into the channel. Oh, listeners, I'm doing this in the wrong order. I've I've accidentally done the um. I've committed that Final Fantasy sin of accidentally going the right way while trying to look for more extra stuff. I think if I had explored further down the uh, hallway of the living living quarters, we would have got to Adam's apartment and found it locked, and then um. We would have to, like, the right passages to come into our apartment and climb into Adams's uh, apartment from our window. Okay. 
But oh well, let's just do it anyway. You slide open your window and you poke your head out into the channel. Moving cautiously, you take a firm grip on the sill and lean out, groping with your fingertips. If you really stretch, you can reach the window on the other side. You manage to jerk it open before nearly losing your balance. You hurl yourself back into the room in panic. I did it. Click to continue. Compared to the rest of the room, the window is pretty big. Okay, we go back to the description of the window. Um, blah, 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 reach out and touch the other wall. The other window is open now, but you can't just hurdle across. If you want to avoid falling to your death, you'll have to find some way to bridge the gap. Okay, cool. Let's go back. In our apartment. Uh, should we look at the sink, the mini fridge? Let's check out our mini fridge. You're running low on peanut butter cups. <laughs> <laughs> Which is your single indulgence in this place. There's no telling when you'll be able to get more, so it's best to conserve. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, Hershey, is it Hershey's peanut butter cups, or is it... Um, Reese's peanut butter cups, that's right, Reese's peanut butter cups. I don't like them. You don't find them very often here in Australia. You've got to go to uh, IGAs, little independent supermarkets, and then in the foreign food section, sometimes you'll find Reese's peanut butter cups. I buy them sometimes because it always sounds good in my mind, like peanut butter and chocolate, but frankly, if you ask me, the peanut butter is shit. It just tastes like salt goo. And it, like, is just unpleasant to eat. It's just salty, salty brown ooze. It's no good. That's, that's, I mean, maybe, maybe I just get bad ones. Maybe they send the bad ones to Australia. Maybe, uh, Reese's is still, uh, yeah, selling, sending its convicts to Australia. It's, 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 uh, it's unwanted peanut butter cups this way. Anyway, so that's what's in the mini fridge, peanut butter cups. Uh, let's check out our metal sink. Click. The counter and sink look exactly like the counters and sinks in the lab downstairs. You feel like you're still at work. That sucks. I can I can feel that feeling. <laughs> okay, cabinet for food and dishes, but we can't interact with that. To your right is a narrow bed with a blue cotton blanket. Click on the bed. It's the bed where you sleep. It has the standard bed accessories, a pillow, a couple of sheets and a blanket. It's not the most exciting or comfortable place you've ever slept, but hey, a bed is a bed. Let's go back. Um, our skinny desk with one chair. Let's click on the desk. It's a smaller version of the desk you sit at while observing the salamanders downstairs, except that this desk is empty and it hasn't, and it isn't as clean. You notice that it's about the same width as the window, though. Really? So I can click on same width as the, win as the window, but I want. Let's 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 check out this whole area first. Uh, let's check out the vid screen. Feeling bored, you turn on the vid screen and you flip through the channels. Most have been blocked, but there are still a few channels that Saddler Drugs consider safe for you to view. Currently, the approved channel is a sitcom. I hate watching TV, listeners. I absolutely hate it. I just can't stand it. When I go to my parents' house and the TV is on, I'm like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> I just can't stand having just ambient uh, talking broadcast at me. So I'm going to, I don't know, like I don't, I don't want to see what this sitcom is. I don't want to, but uh, because Samantha Vick has probably written a description attached to the sitcom, I'm going to click on it. Click. All right, about time we got here. Justin says, wow, what, you fell off the roof and all you get were two broken legs and some internal hemorrhaging? Here, let me rub you some silo <laughs> on you. Mary says, oh, never mind that. I took... This skirt from my sister's closet. Now there's blood all over it. She's gotta kill me. Justin says, hey, don't worry so much. Just take it down to the mall, have them print up a new one for you. Mary says, wow, Justin, you're so smart. I'm treating you to a soy nutrient smoothie. Justin says, hey, that's what friends are for. And then there's theme music. Turn off the screen is the only option. Oh, there's a typo. Samantha, there's a typo. Uh... Here in the sitcom, there's a typo. Turn off the screen. <laughs> That's funny. Turn off the screen. All right, let's turn the screen off. Cool. All right, well, I'm glad I, I checked out that vid screen mounted to the back wall. Uh, and that's all there is in the in this in our room. Let's go back out of the hallway and try going uh, further east. 
follow the hallway as it stretches a bit further east. Habitation hallway east. This section of the hallway looks just... This section of the hallway looks just the section before it. There's another typo here. This section of the hallway looks just the section before it, with a metal door on either side. To the north is Adam's apartment, and to the south is Donovan's. You've never seen either of them, but you have to assume that they look pretty much the same as yours. There is another poster on the dead end wall in front of you. Let's check out those posters. Click the poster. A pretty looking young school nurse is examining a student who has come to her office. The boy is sobbing. There is mechanical pencil stabbed completely through the palm of his hand. Several bloody inches are sticking out the other side. The nurse has a gentle knowing smile on her face as if to say, oh, Boys will be boys. Behind her, a cabinet. Uh, behind her, a cabinet is ajar. Every shelf is filled with nothing but racks of glinting blue bottles of Silo TM. Saddler drugs makes the world better. Is the slogan? Ah, oh, makes the world better. Um, cool. Kills a lot of orangutans though. Uh, or chimpanzees, whatever. So that's the poster. We can uh, try and go to grieving old Donovan's apartment, or we can go to friendly old Adams's apartment, which will be locked. Let's uh, click Adams's apartment first. Daughter Adams at Adam Adams's apartment is locked. You can't say you're surprised, but you're not giving up. There's got to be another way in. We go back. Donovan's apartment. It's rude to enter someone else's apartment without permission. Besides, it's firmly locked. <laughs> we'll go back. All right, we go back the way we came from. And then we enter our apartment, we hit that desk, click, we notice that it's the same width as the window, click. Shove your desk out the window, yes or no? Yes! Bingo! You clear your computer and other random desk junk onto the floor. You manage to heave the flimsy table into its end, onto its end and drag it to the window. One push is all it takes to lay the table across the gap and create a bridge. It's not the sturdiest looking structure you've ever seen, but it is a pretty good job for 30 seconds of work. Yes! Uh, uh-huh. Alright. We'll check what's on the other side of this apartment, and then here in the next apartment, we're going to call it a day for this episode, listeners. So let's click yes. Your apartment. Okay. Look out the square window. Crawl carefully across the desk bridge to the other apartment. Yes. Adams's apartment. This room must have started out looking exactly like yours, but now it looks like a hurricane blew through it. Plastic dishes are strewn across the floor, and the fridge is overturned. The room stinks like spoiled milk. In the centre of the room, the desk lies kicked over onto its side. The computer lies in shards and chunks of plastic and circuitry. Directly above it, a water pipe runs the length of the ceiling. Uh, Torn scraps of paper are scattered like snow. Bending down, you catch a few word fragments. Increased dosage. Test progress. Shows signs of new... These appear to be Adams' lab notes. They are thoroughly destroyed, but out of the corner of your eye, you see something white sticking out from under the corner of one mattress. Of the mattress. Exits are the door and the window. So we can examine the uh, the hurricane-like mess, I guess. The word hurricane is highlighted. Uh, and water pipe we can examine. We can click on something white. Let's, let's click on hurricane. Ooh, this place looks like a war zone. If Adams killed himself, why would he have trashed his own apartment first? Well, yeah, let's go back. Let's look at the water pipe. On the water pipe above a ring... On the water pipe above, a ring of grey indicates a spot where flakes from a plastic cord might have rubbed off. It looks like something heavy was once hung here. With a sinking feeling, you look more closely at the desk. Sure enough, you see a confusion of footprints. Could this be where a dot 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 morose trailing off? Let's go back. Let's click on something white. You gingerly lift up the corner of the mattress. Underneath is a notebook with a plain white cover. Who keeps a paper journal these days? You flip through the few pages. It's filled with Adam's cramped, meticulous handwriting. The first four pages seem to have been torn out. Read the fifth entry. So the first four pages are maybe what the the four pages we've been picking up. So let's read the fifth page of his journal. Journal entry number five. Realizing the obvious, realizing the obvious. What a sentence! 
Realising the obvious profits such a drug could reap, the corporation has attempted to transport axolotl specimens to Earth for study, with the goal of reproducing and manufacturing silo for widespread sale. However, every time a shuttle carrying a salamander reaches a distance of about 100,000 kilometres from the moon, the specimen suddenly and inexplicably goes limp, stops circulating and producing blood, and eventually expires. Oh, there you go. After several such expensive attempts, Sadler decided to simply expand their lunar base and ferry some of their executives up here to crack the whip over us. I can hear the sound of construction even as I write this. HQ has provided us with some test animals for experimentation. I've assigned Donovan to the task of studying them. I can already see that it's doing him good to have some small creatures to care for. I'm not worried. Any damage he could possibly do to them can be cured instantly. They seem to be reacting very well to the silo. I'm told that it will be approved for worldwide use as soon as enough can be harvested from the moon's extensive underground salamander colonies. Cool, this sounds like this scientific project is going wonderfully. Turn the page. Journal entry number six. Silo TM is now in widespread use around the world. They tell me that I'm now a household name, but I couldn't care less about popularity. I've already moved on to a new project. It's only the thrill of pure scientific research that motivates me. What a weird thing to write. Maybe he's being sarcastic. Uh, besides, all that Earthian drama doesn't affect me up here. Sadler has instituted a commercial ban between the base and the planet. Apparently the fact that their precious drug is being harvested from aliens and not synthesized in an Earth laboratory is something that they want to keep under wraps. My job has become that much harder now that the new executive wing of the base is open. One of the two bigwigs they've sent to the moon is my old boss Bill Gallo, as the new lead researcher. I wasn't surprised to see he remains his same sour, arrogant self. He wasn't here five minutes before he started griping about how his talents weren't being recognised on Earth. I knew that this is just code for the fact that he had been foiled in his repeated attempts to take credit for the works of others. The man wouldn't know an original idea if it bit him. I wish one would. I turn the page. Journal entry number seven. It is amazing how a simple conclusion can lead to such an incredible breakthrough. Up until now, all of my research has been done on single salamanders. Even when they were gathered together in the tank, there were never more than four or five of them. It was only when Casey's salamanders were placed in my tank while her lab was being cleaned that I noticed something incredible. When the aliens are gathered together in number, their bioluminescence flashing, their bioluminescent flashing increases and becomes erratic in rhythm. What could cause this, I wonder? To cut a very long story short, I discovered that under those conditions, the salamanders begin to create an entirely different chemical, a fluid that seems to act as a neurotransmitter. When injected into a mammalian test subject, it dramatically increases both its cognitive and physical capabilities. I'm starting testing and refinement immediately. I turn the page. Journal entry number eight. The analysis of the neural compound progresses. The test subjects seem to be reacting well, although it will take much longer before I am able to say for certain that there are no harmful side effects. The benefits are obvious enough. Estelle, the female of the mated pair of chimps I am studying, has already come too close for comfort to defeating me in a game of checkers. The rats have completed the mazes that Casey built at speeds I would have thought impossible last month. Indeed, some of them managed to exploit cracks and minor flaws in the construction. Ah, oh, shit, we did a shit maze building job. The uh, the maze experts at the No Cat podcast would be pretty disappointed in the maze we we made, we designed, but oh well. Exploit cracks and minor flaws in the construction to get at the cheese even faster. Alone of all these test animals, the green lizards appear to be unaffected by the drug. They continue to lounge around their tank and move as little as possible. That's something clever which I didn't pick up on when I was uh, in Donovan's lab, is that the mammals, the chimps and the rats... They're like, wow, they're doing something interesting. And then the lizards, the reptiles, they're just normal. So it's like it's just mammals which this drug affects. <clears throat> Adams continues, I can hardly even imagine what effect the drug could have on humans. If it turns out to be safe, then I could be poised on the brink of an unimaginable renaissance. A true new golden age in human history. However excited I am about this new discovery, though, there is no way I'm approving it for human use until I'm absolutely certain of its safety. Ooh, turn the page, please. Journal entry number nine. Unsurprisingly, it wasn't long before Gilgallo... Gilgallo? Gilgallo. Before Gilgallo descended upon my new project like the vulture he is. Hardly an hour goes by without seeing his gaunt face peer around the door to my lab. 
asking how the research is going, demanding faster results. The man is so transparent. I can almost see him thinking of all the different ways he can steal the credit. He couldn't care less about the research itself or about its potential benefits to humanity. He only wants to be famous, to have people fawn over him, give him awards and accolades, and listen to his bombastic nonsense. I swear, one of these days I'm going to give him a piece of my mind really soon. Any day now. To cap it off, I'm almost sure he's been stealing my test material. Twice now I've caught him slipping his hand into his pocket, and my supply of refined neurotransmitter gets lower every time I look. Technically, he is a scientist. He's got to know how incredibly dangerous it is to dose yourself with an untested compound, much less one that's been harvested from small glowing aliens. The drug is still light years away from being ready for human testing. The man completely lacks foresight, not to mention common sense. Oh no, listeners, um, uh, Gil Gallo put the drug in Adams' slop or something. And then we're going to be reading the journal entries. They're going to turn into, like, advanced maths problems to indicate that he's getting smarter and then he's suddenly going to go, oh, shit, pa-pow, I'm dead, or something like that. That's my, uh, that's my, that's my guess. Maybe I'll be proven wrong right now when I turn the page. Click. Journal entry number 10 getting kind of tired of these journal entries, listeners. Testing continues. I've increased dosage from 10 to 20 milliliters every few days upon Gallo's insistence. Subjects still appear to be stable, but I've noticed some increased aggression, which may or may not prove relevant. I've made a note of it, but there is something else that has my attention at the moment. Ever since I, force, ever since I first saw that strange erratic glow pattern emerge when 10 salamanders were placed together in the tank, it's, a, it's occupied an uneasy corner of my mind. And since then, I've taken to watching them in the long hours of shimmering, of simmering, extracting and refining fluid. I could almost dismiss the pattern as a random occurrence, but there is something about the cadence, the way a specific sequence of glow and fade would start in one salamander and then be repeated by the others, that is somehow intimately familiar. This, coupled with the neurotransmitter's incredible co cognitive increasing effect on Earth species, lead me inevitably to an explanation I'd much rather avoid. Language. The salamanders can talk to each other. Oh, sucks that we're killing them then. Better turn the page. The page has been torn out of the spine. Skip to the next one. Journal entry 12. Tried yesterday to convince Gala of the truth about the salamanders. I wasn't expecting much from the man, but even he had to know what a horrible transgression it was, round, it was to round up and harvest another intelligent species. However, he didn't even allow me to finish explaining before laughing in my face. He told me that my idiotic theories were standing in the way of human progress. I gathered my courage and told him that I was going to stop all the testing on the salamanders if he didn't at least relay my report to Saddler HQ back on Earth. After a long tense silence, he reluctantly agreed. At least he appears enough to have enough sense to know that he has no chance of stealing my work if I never finish it. That fucker. Unsurprisingly, he came to my office today and announced smugly that the Saddler executives had no intention of holding research on the Salamanders, no matter what my reasons. He probably never even talked to them. But even if he did, what am I supposed to do? If I continue to refuse to work, they'll simply release the unfinished drug to an unsuspecting public. Besides, without me here, who knows what Gallo would do to my Salamanders? He really seems to hate them. It's gotten to the point where he can hardly stand to be in the same room as them. If it's just like me in journal entries. It's gotten to be the point where he can't even stand to be in the same room as them. As them. If there are more than ten gathered together, it may be a side effect of the drug that he has continued to foolishly self-administer. If the salamanders can talk to each other, then perhaps they can also communicate with Gallo. Geez, that'd be weird. Whatever it is that they might be saying to him, the man is becoming more and more unstable. Jeez, the salamanders are talking to him. When I refused to continue work yesterday, his face held a look of murderous rage, barely suppressed. It might be time to take precautions. I hope I still remember my computer science from back in my grad school days. <laughs> That's interesting. Turn the page. Oh, God. Journal entry 13. I'm committed now, listeners. I'm committed. This is, um, yeah. Something is definitely wrong with my test animals. I walked into my lab this morning to find that two of my white rats have been killed by the others. 
literally torn to pieces for no discernible reason. Oh my god. I've had to separate the pair of chimps, normally so gentle, for fear of violent confrontation, and both appear to be suffering from severe loss of motor control. I euthanized one of the rats in hopes of finding out the cause behind this bizarre behavior. To my shock, the autopsy revealed advanced neurosis in early, in nearly every structure of the brain. The blue cognition drug has, perma- has permeated every cell, staining the entire brain blue, and has begun to systematically isolate and destroy neurons. Even if I hadn't terminated this rat, it would still have only lived another few days. The suddenness of this de- deterioration is shocking. I must have been so wrapped up in my concern for the salamanders that I failed to notice the telltale signs of advanced neurotoxicity, sandy toxicity, in my test animals. I've changed the classification of the chemical from neurotransmitter to neurotoxin. The consequences of releasing this potion, this poison, on the world would be devastating. I need to warn someone, but I can't take the chance that Gallo will try to stop me. He's ingested so much of the drug already, if he finds out that his life is forfeit, he might decide that he has nothing to lose. My best bet is to take one of the escape pods back to Earth, along with the cadaver of one of the animals, and explain to the executive board that release of the drug is tantamount to genocide. I can only hope that I can manage to get everything ready before Gallo discovers my plan. Oh, no. (laughs) To uh, continue, I click on the hyperlink, which reads, Holy crap. Click. You close the notebook, finally. Thankful that Adams had the foresight to shove this into hiding. He had clearly failed to deliver the warning about the deadliness of Sirenita, TM. But there is still time. You need to tell someone about this right away. And something tells you that Bill Gallo wouldn't be the best choice. But without solid evidence, it's just your word against his. Your cell phone starts to vibrate. New message from Henry Adams. Where better to find proof of a cobra's venom than in his own den? You wonder how hard it would be to sneak into Gallo's apartment. An Adams journal has been added to my inventory. Oh, listeners. Jesus Christ. What a lot of reading I've done. Wow. It was like, oh, we're at like 54 minutes. Jesus Christ, it was like 20 minutes ago that I said I was about to finish the episode. Man, now I know how uh, the two guys that the no one can know about this podcast felt like when they wanted to finish playing Final Fantasy IV. And they started playing at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. They thought they were about to hit the final boss at 1am that night. And they said, alright, we'll just go a little further, beat the boss, and they ended up playing until 10 the next morning, and they were wrecked husks of human beings, <laughs> barely able to function, uh, and it ruined them for months. Now I know exactly what that feels like, because I've been reading for the last 20 minutes. So, uh, yeah. Alright, we'll call it a day there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna save the game. Uh, here we are. Bookmark added. Axolotl project. Adams's journal end. Done. So I saved the game. And uh, listeners, thank you very much. Thank you very, very, very much for all your uh, attentive listening today. Listening to this next episode of the Axolotl project. I'm gonna go lie down and rest my poor old voice, which has been ruined by this reading. I hope you've had fun and was interested in following the story with me. Bye-bye.